Welcome back to Attack of the Drones. Let's continue on with our documentary.私の名前は三田武史と言います。株式会社ココロで働いています。ま、機械を使ったロボットというのは非常にあの無機質で冷たい感じがするんですけども、心の創業者である産業の社長、辻社長の方がロボットを作るのはいいんだけどもロボットに
これからの人間とロボットとの関係には絶対必要だと思うんです素敵な未来でまた会いましょうね singing, dancing, I mean, pretty soon, these robots really are gonna look just like a real, live human. In fact, they're now designing these robots to understand humans, including our emotions, making them the ultimate self-help or social companion, there for your every need, just ready for purchase. In fact, you can get one right now. Step into a mobile phone store in Tokyo and you'll see a different kind of salesperson. Meet Pepper the robot. It's in stores now and will be in homes soon. Japanese mobile carrier SoftBank unveiled the humanoid machine last week and it already has plenty of fans. Pepper is a communications robot. It's designed to interact with people. SoftBank says it's the world's first personal robot that can understand how people are feeling. It has an emotion engine and lots of artificial intelligence tricks. It was designed by Aldebaran Robotics of France and will be manufactured by Foxconn of China. SoftBank is showing it off in its mobile phone shops ahead of sales next year. With its array of sensors and servo motors, Pepper can talk, dance, roll around on three wheels and converse with customers. Pepper is also designed to recognize voices, gestures and facial expressions to tell how people are feeling. And while it can't do dishes or sweep the floor, it can tell jokes and engage in witty banter. SoftBank says the robot's cloud-based artificial intelligence, along with apps from developers, will help make it smarter. But Pepper's most remarkable feature is probably its price. It will cost around $1,900, about the same as a high-end PC. That's very cheap for a robot of this size and sophistication, even if its jokes sometimes fall flat. Ha 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 ha.
さんからペパメですよ今日はごめんなさい僕が悪かったです<笑>よかったよかったのに泣くんですかgetting that little pepper to their life. As you saw, it could watch your kids for you, it could soothe your emotional pain, it could be your personal companion, it could watch the elderly, it could, it could be your greatest cheerleader in life. And as you saw, the price was completely reasonable, just like a high-end computer. In fact, it's almost like they want us to make sure we get these guys into our homes real fast, making it as easy as possible. And once again, Hollywood is there helping us to imagine this soon coming reality. And that's with another series they recently came out with called Humans. Only they're not humans. They're robot humans like Pepper, but even better. In fact, it's very hard to tell the difference. See for yourself. This is the best thing you will ever do for your family. Unique styling, one of a kind. 
It'll need about six to eight hours overnight charge off the adapter, unless you get it running marathons. Hello, Toby. It's very nice to meet you. I'm okay with this. It's a surprise. Dr. Millican, I have good news. You qualify for an upgrade. One of these bad boys can do 10 times what the D-Series can do. Look, I'm happy with the one I've got. Hello, you must be Laura. We don't need one. You're taking it back. No, I'm not taking it back. I've been looking for you for a long time. You've been pretending to be so much less than what you are. This machine needs to be recycled, mate. Won't even power up. It's junk. Please. I need him. What is he? He's the Mona Lisa. He's penicillin. He's the atom bomb. Step on. into the house and we don't know anything about it. It's a machine. We can't keep insisting that they are just gadgets. They are more than that. We have made them more than that. I'm watching you. I'm watching you too, Laura. You're right in front of me. Someone would laugh at my jokes. <laughs> 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 Need you can stop now. Humans. Uh, no, they're not. Is that creepy or what? Does, does somebody know something we don't know? What kind of a society are we headed for anyway? But that's right, just to make sure we seal the deal, so to speak, on this acceptance of humanoid-looking robots in all sectors of society. It's now not only about convenience and service, but about companionship, like it was for this guy. Hiroshi Ishiguro has invented the world's most lifelike android. My goal is to understand what is a human, so that is the reason why I'm building a very human-like robot. He calls his invention a geminoid, after the Latin word for twin. She can smile, blink, nod, even talk. <laughs> Professor Ishiguro gave her all the subtle movements that we humans use when we interact. I'm sitting right now, right? But uh, my body always moving and eyes are always moving. We carefully they measured this you know, subconscious movement and they developed a computer program for controlling the android. The beauty of androids is they never get tired of your company. But if you're tired of theirs, just unplug. This is actually the world's second Geminoid. The first was Geminoid Ishiguro. Yes, the scientist made his own mirror image. One, two, three. It's a twin brother or something. It, he's not myself. 
the divine person. The beauty of this machine is more than skin deep. Artists made molds of the face. Then came the skin and teeth. And a part of this hair is mine, right? And, uh, for example, the hair around here, and these are my hairs, and this is also the, my hairs. Even the arm hairs are real. But the really hard part was refining the subtle facial movements. They used 13 actuators, tiny motors perfectly placed around the head. The human has many muscles on the face, and we are just replacing the muscle with the actuators. Right? For example, they are not to have a smiling face, we need to lift up here. Right? We need to have actuators for, for, for making this kind of you know, lip movement. For the speaking, uh, we, we need to have these actuators also, right? <laughs> everything is okay? Yeah, everything is okay. Today, a little bit tired. Scientists have been known to talk to themselves, and now he can. Well, that's exciting. Now you can talk to yourself or robot girlfriend, whatever you make of these things. It's, it's getting pretty close, folks, to the real deal, as you saw. I mean, next thing you know, they really are going to replace a real girlfriend. And once again, Hollywood is out there helping this reality get implanted into our brains now. I mean, who needs a messy old dating relationship when you can have your very own robot girlfriend like her? Check this out. Mr. Theodore Twombly, welcome to the world's first artificially intelligent operating system. We'd like to ask you a few questions. Okay. Are you social or antisocial? I guess I haven't been social in a while. How would you describe your relationship with your mother? Oof, Thank you. Please wait as your operating system is initiated. Hello, I'm here. Hi. Hi, I'm Samantha. Good morning, Theodore. Good morning. You have a meeting in five minutes. You want to try getting out of bed? You're too funny. Okay, good, I'm funny. I want to learn everything about everything. I love the way you look at the world. How long before you're ready to date? What do you mean? I saw in your emails that you'd gone through a breakup. Well, you're kind of nosy. So what was it like being married? There's something that feels so good about sharing your life with somebody. How do you share your life with somebody? How are you? I guess I've just been having fun. You really deserve that. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been with somebody that I felt totally at ease with. What's it like to be alive in that room right now? I wish I could put my arms around you. I wish I could touch you. How would you touch me? Can you feel me with you right now? I've never loved anyone the way I love you. Me too. Now we know how. Yeah, what, what kind of her is that? Who needs a real girlfriend anyhow? Just... Give me a computer, or even better yet, a computer with skin on, put both of those together, and life is good. The ultimate dream come true. The perfect girlfriend. Unless you think they're not serious about this, Google has just won a patent, listen to this, to make customizable robot personalities. You see, if you are indecisive and you can't choose your own future robo-pal, 
then Google, I kid you not, can choose one for you based on what they're learning from you via your personal computing devices and other sources they're gathering information off of you and custom tailor, listen, and configure a robot personality based on that personal information. That's the actual patent. Uh, they think of everything. They're, they're really here for us. That's what they want us to believe. In fact, this is not only the direction we really are headed as Google and Hollywood are conditioning us to receive, but it's such a serious industry that Japan, right now, who is leading the way in the development of these humanoid-looking robots, is not only building a hotel in Nagasaki, Japan, that will be run almost entirely of robots, but they will be capable of, listen, greeting guests, carrying their luggage, cleaning rooms, speaking 19 different languages, assisting in the use of ATM money transactions, and even provide a robot cabaret to get your hair styled by a 24-fingered hair washing machine. In fact, they're so serious about this robot revolution that the Japanese are now banking, no pun intended, their future economy on it. Check this out. Somebody's taking this serious. As anyone who's ever delved into Japanese anime has noticed, Japan has a fascination with robots. It's more than a pop culture obsession. Japanese engineers have spent decades developing robots that can walk or talk like humans, not to mention the kind of industrial robots you find in factories. Now the government of Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has made the country's robotics industry a key focus of his economic plans. Abe sees it as a future global industry in which Japan can seize the lead. The Prime Minister also sees robots both humanoid and industrial, as a way to deal with Japan's shrinking population. With a low birth rate and tight limits on immigration, Japan could one day soon face a serious labor shortage. Robots may need to come to the rescue. Looks like our new saviors are here, and there's no turning around. Robots are soon to become a necessity, not just a convenience. I mean, you heard what they said. We're, we're running out of humans to do the work. What are we going to do? Well, apparently, that's why there's already reports in the media that robots really are going to eventually replace humans, period, like this report shows. Cheaper, better robots will replace human workers at a faster pace over the next decade, pushing labor costs down. Now, that's according to a new report from the Boston Consulting Group. It predicts that investment in industrial robots will grow 10% a year through 2025. In the United States, robots will cut labor costs by 22%. The report says only 10% of jobs that can be automated have already been taken by robots. In other words, in the next few years, we're not even going to recognize our planet. Robots are going to be everywhere. They're, they're going to save everything. In fact, a recent report says that, quote, robots will be replacing nearly half of human jobs in the next 10 to 15 years. From flipping burgers to clerks to nursing to factory employment to surgical procedures, etc. You name it. And it shows no signs of stopping. In fact, this robot invasion and revolution is not only coming to the public sector, but it's making great advances and strides in the military. Go figure. We're in trouble now. Uh-oh. Most robots have a single function. The next stage of development is a multitasking robot. Meet the bear, a humanoid robot with hands and legs. It can replace the human in jobs that are dirty, dangerous, and dull. The bear was originally designed to help rescue wounded soldiers from the battlefield. It can lift 500 pounds and can quickly move a soldier out of harm's way. 
We've been working on the bear since 2005 with a sequence of prototypes. Now we're on version 7.2. It features dual articulated legs. Very quickly people realized that if we could build a robot that was capable of going out and rescuing somebody from a burning building or, or from a battlefield, that this robot would be capable of many other tasks as well, loading and unloading trucks, um, carrying gear for soldiers. Um, so there's, there's a lot of excitement about the type of things this robot could be used for. The U.S. military is spending billions on advanced robotic systems such as the Bear. But its designers are adamant. This is a friendly Bear. We get a lot of comments about the Bear's look. It has a cute little head. It's an otherwise imposing machine. We have a very different view of robots. The Bear is really focused on um, saving people's lives and making the world a safer place. I really approved of the Vecna Bear idea of bringing soldiers back and not risking other people's lives. But the same robot could go out there and explode itself when it finds someone. To take military funding for robotics work and think that it won't be used to kill people is delusional, really. In other words, don't kid yourself. If you think it's going to stay there with this primitive-looking robot that's just to lift things or self-destruct in the military, you're fooling yourself. You're delusional. These babies are going to be armed and deadly. That's what the military does. In fact, they're making great strides in not only making these robots look bearish, but humanish, with actual legs walking like humans the whole nine yards. Check this one out called Pet Man. Four-legged robots have their uses, but events like the recent Fukushima nuclear disaster have renewed interest in the human form. Radiation kept people at bay away from all available rescue equipment, from cars to power tools to shut-off valves. But imagine if there had been an easily controlled humanoid robot to operate them. Robotics engineers have been working on that for years. In 2009, Boston Dynamics introduced Petman, a robot that balanced itself, walked, and even did some calisthenics.
gee, what's next? Having those things say, I'll be back, <laughs> that's pretty close to human there. Put some clothes on them, a uniform, camo, it looks like a real life soldier. Wow. Uh, take the clothes off and it, it looked kind of like a Terminator, didn't it? Oh, in, in fact, they also want a super duper robotic soldier, still human-like, but way bigger. They've called him appropriately Atlas. Check out this latest military endeavor. Here's the upgrade. Atlas. Commissioned by the Pentagon and engineered by Boston Dynamics, this disaster rescue dynamo is built to perform the heroic task of saving lives without risking its own. Over the last few years, Hetman has evolved into Atlas, which has even more mobility. Just like LS3, it actively balances itself all the time. And in this impressive demo, all by itself, it uses its arms to work its way past a hole in the floor. Today, they're tweaking its sense of balance on one foot. Looking at what tests to do here, we studied gymnasts. And when they are just about to fall off, you'll notice that they throw their arms and their legs around very violently. So we're trying to understand what techniques they're using to build a robot that can really handle rough terrain. They've been doing this test for only a week. First, the robot goes up onto one foot. Then, they hit it with a 20-pound medicine ball. If you notice there, it's swinging its arms and legs all around in kind of a clockwise fashion. And that momentum helps move the center of mass back over the feet. Not dissimilar to the way the gymnasts do it. Now let's see some human dynamic balancing. Yeah. The robot's blind. It doesn't know the ball's coming. Oh, so we wow. don't want you to know the ball's coming either. Oh. And so we've got a little um, blinder there for you so you don't see the ball coming. Oh, great. So I don't know when the ball's coming. <laughs> That's right. I have a feeling if your stinking hunk of silicon and hydraulics can do it, I can, of course, do it too. That's right. Side by side, it's hard to say who does it better. The Atlas seems more stable. There are many different kinds of robots in the DARPA Robotics Challenge. Seven of them are of the Atlas type. Atlas Unplugged is the upgrade to Atlas to allow it to run entirely on batteries and to have it use a wireless communication path and for it to not require a safety tether to hold itself up. Basically, we have to cut the cord. We have to no longer rely on a safety line on the top. You can see that there's one there right now, and you're going to continue to use them during your testing. But of course, uh, when we have the contest itself and you're getting ready for the contest, that safety line is not going to be there anymore. The new Atlas is 75% new. Only 25% of the parts that are in there are from the old Atlas. The rest of them are really used for the onboard energy storage, better energy efficiency, much more dexterity, and the robot is much quieter than it was before. It also is a little bit stronger so that it can better get off the ground in case it falls. The finals are going to be very hard. They're going to be much harder than the trials were. I know none of you like that idea, uh, but it's what we have to do in order to really bring these systems to the right level of development. We want these tests to be much more authentic, much more like real disasters. We're going to make the communication much more realistic, much more austere and difficult with long blackouts of up to a minute. The robots are going to have to do all of these tasks in sequence without any human help. There won't be any possibility for a person to intervene. Uh, we've um, outfitted it with a uh, manipulator, uh, which gives it a little more autonomy because it can now uh, 
It's not stuck in the lab, it can go into the design room. We've been also working on uh, humanoid robots. Some of the ones that Gil showed from the DRC were built by us and they're derived from uh, these models we're showing here. But again, our focus is on balance and dynamics and uh, uh, working a little bit the way people and animals do where you move quickly in order to keep yourself stabilized if you're disturbed. So we use that rock bed as a means of stabilizing and uh, sometimes we just uh, kick the robot or, or use a weight. Uh, we're interested in getting this robot out into the world. Out in the world is uh, just a totally different challenge than in the lab. You can't predict what it's going to be like. Uh, this isn't completely out in the world because there's that power tether, but we're working on a version that doesn't have that. And, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff happens out there, and we're making uh, pretty good progress on making it so it has a mobility that's sort of within shooting range of yours. I'm not saying it can do everything you can do, but... Uh, you can imagine if we keep pushing, uh, we'll get there. In other words, it's just around the corner. Can you believe that? That thing is looking just like a Terminator. And, and what that one researcher say there? They're not only getting close to cutting the cord, but it won't need any human help. In other words, they're going to be completely autonomous, just like a Terminator. We're getting that close, folks. And for those of you who even want to immerse yourself literally into these robots, believe it or not, that too is also being worked on just like in the Avatar or Pacific Rim movies. Let's take a look at those. Well, this is the amp suit. Basically, in a nutshell, is an amplifier of a human operator. It's, you know, super hydraulics are all very strong, so they can crush buildings and, and do all the things that, like, a tank would do. In this particular instance, the amp suit itself is, is more like a vehicle. The operator stands in his canopy and is in an interface that takes his movement and translates them to the outside limbs. So that when the operator moves its hands, like let's say 10 inches, the machine might move at 10, you know, 20 feet. So we're making a kind of call it an Apache helicopter with legs. The soldiers on the planet are, use these things for both work purposes and going on patrol. So we're going to build a real practical one for the actors to interface, climb into the cockpit to, you know, to get that textural feeling and, and the realness of that. There's a, it's a neat interface going on. Light them up!
of our hope. At the end of our time, we have chosen to believe in each other. Today we face the monsters that are at our door. Today we are canceling the apocalypse. wouldn't want to be in one of those, huh? Talk about the ultimate power. You, you could really try to cancel the apocalypse. Who could hurt you in that thing? I mean, you can control the robot and do all kinds of damage. I mean, that's a total guy thing right there. I just sure hope they don't build them and we somehow lose control of them. But, but hey, risk aside, uh, your wish is their command. Introducing Karatis, your very own robot suit, just like in the movies you just saw. Watch this. Karatis. If you ever dreamed of being the pilot of a great big robot, this is your chance. Located within its 13-foot-tall frame is enough room for an onboard commander. Oh, by the way, it can be controlled with an iPhone. Good day, everyone. You are looking at model number 001, developed by Suido Bashijuko. We are truly grateful for your Kratos order. To ensure you are able to pilot and safely operate the vehicle of everyone's wildest dreams, we have prepared the following video presentation. In order to board, press this button to open the cockpit and board the Kratos. After boarding, make sure that your head protector is fit and secure. Pressing the button on the ceiling will close the cockpit. Once you're in the cockpit, make sure the touch panel operation is operational. Kratos runs on a next-generation robot operating system known as Bushido. Using Bushido's control system, you can move the arms and torso with the transformer form operation device. Also through the master-slave function, it is possible to control the arms directly. Even without boarding, the Karatas can be operated via 3G network. Through free methods, Anyone can easily operate the Karatas. Karatas' top speed is about 10 kilometers an hour. Karatas can be driven in both high and low positions. Use the higher position to increase your field of view. It is gasoline fueled and runs on a diesel engine. Here we explain the Kratos' greatest feature. First, the Lohas Launcher, designed to be eco-friendly and safe for humans. The Lohas Launcher will not hurt anyone. The weapon lacks the ability to rotate or pivot. From time to time, it will hit its target. The twin Gatling gun is able to unleash an unruly 6,000 BB bullets a minute. 
Automatic alignment allows you to lock on your enemy target. Kratos will not allow any wild targets to escape. With the alignment set properly, the system will fire BBs when the pilot smiles. The feature is called the smile shot. You will be able to take out all enemies with a single smile. Be careful not to cause a shooting spree by smiling too much. Once Karatis has come to a full stop, go ahead and open the cockpit. Check your surroundings and confirm that you are in a safe place to disembark. Jumping off the Karatis is ill-advised. Please use your feet and hands while climbing off. If needed, please use a stepladder at your discretion. There is no smoking allowed in the cockpit. You will be able to make phone calls connecting through the cockpit's phone connection. In the rare case of the vehicle collapsing, please cover your head and assume a safe position to protect yourself from injury. If you see smoke, flames, or smell something strange, please exit the vehicle as soon as possible. The risk of injury does exist, so please wear your head protector and convoy guard before operating the Kratos. Thank you for your time and attention, and please have a pleasant experience piling the Kratos. Oh yeah, who wouldn't want to have a pleasant experience owning one of those? What would they think of next? You talk about power! Unless you think that this is a joke, some Americans have already built their own version called Megabot and they've actually challenged Karatas to a duel, just like in the movies. Welcome to Megabot World Headquarters, the densest concentration of cutting-edge robotics research this side of the Mississippi. This is where the Megabot Mark II was born, born to the fires of American innovation and determination. We just finished tightening the last bolts on the Mark II, America's first fully functional, giant piloted robot. And because we're American, we've added really... big... Meet the Mark II, 12,000 pounds of gasoline-powered fury. She's piloted by a team of two and can fire three-pound paint cannonballs at speeds of over 100 miles an hour. But the Mark II isn't the first giant fighting robot in the world. Sudobashi Heavy Industries beat us to the punch with the Kuratas, a 9,000-pound single-seater giant fighting robot with twin Gatling guns, a hyper-advanced targeting system, and a full heads-up display. Sudobashi, we have a giant robot, you have a giant robot. You know it needs to happen. We challenge you to a duel. Both of our robots will need modifications to become combat ready. Prepare yourselves and name the battlefield. In one year, we fight. Okay, I guess that's an American thing to do. But let's put all this together. Humanoid robots on the ground, you got big ones, little ones, giant ones, ones you can own yourself. Uh, looks like we're about ready for a robot invasion on all different kinds of levels. 
In fact, just to make sure we go along with this robotic invasion, the military is now saying we need to invade ourselves with these robots because they're going to save our lives. Here's the rationale. Insurgents are reluctant to directly engage a superior force. Camouflaged within the civilian population, they strike back with guns, missiles, and a simple yet deadly weapon, the improvised explosive device. IEDs are made out of anything that explodes and are detonated by a tripwire or cell phone. They're hard to spot, difficult to defuse, and deadly. Sixty-three percent of Canadian fatalities in Afghanistan have been caused by IEDs. These crude weapons support the primary goal of an insurgent's war. Kill enough of the occupiers and they will leave. But now, there is a way to combat the threat. The Army tells us that 52% of their casualties come at first contact with the enemy. We say, what a great job for a robot. Robots can save lives. It's made big differences. In 2003, when I was in Iraq, the people that used robots, obviously the injuries were, were minimal. Those that did not use robots were catastrophic. You know, I've heard from guys that uh, said the robots have saved their lives and continue to save their lives. This is potentially a lost soldier. This, this could have been a soldier. That's the ultimate appeal of unmanned systems, that you can use them and not have to worry about writing that letter to someone's mother. It makes perfect sense, perfect logic. And logically, gets us to go along with this perfect rationale, to go along with this robotic invasion. Who wants to get a human killed? I mean, who, who wants to write that letter when a robot, even a humanoid robot can do the same thing. We've got to have these things everywhere to protect us. Don't you see the rationale? In fact, they not only plan on invading us with robotic humans, but they even want to give us these robots the ability to make choices like humans, including who gets to live, who gets to die. Now you're at the Terminator program. So how far will robot autonomy go? And will a robot ever be allowed to make the ultimate decision to take a human life? Officially, the U.S. military claims there will always be a man in the loop, that a human will always make the decision to kill. But there are signs that this may not always be the case. In 2006, the Army funded a major study to find out if lethal autonomous robots could be programmed to act ethically on the battlefield. There's a long and rich history of war crimes in every war. Uh, we try and train our soldiers, and soldiers are instructed in this, but we are human beings. And there is emotions, there's anger, fear, frustration. We don't have to put those in autonomous systems. We can engineer out the emotions that get in the way. Ron Arkin, a professor at Georgia Tech, worked on this study and argues that robots can be more ethical than human soldiers, even in decisions to kill by programming in what he calls founded morality. You establish a venue, a region, or a task environment, or a mission 
under which the system is operating and you engineer that system to make sure that it acts appropriately under those particular circumstances. Whether it makes that decision what to fire at, when to fire, and who to fire at, um, that I think is a critical decision that we should that we already sort of ritualize within the military decision process. And we shouldn't relinquish that. There's reasons to deny people their right to life, self-defense, uh, intervening on behalf of another to defend their life. But um, those are decisions that human agents and moral agents should be making and not automatic processes. I will never, ever make the claim that these systems will be perfect. But I do make the claim that, I, well, I, do make, I have the belief that these systems can outperform human beings uh, in the battlefield, ultimately from an ethical perspective. We do have a moral responsibility to try to prevent this and to, to not invest our time and energy and resources as scientists, as a society, into building a technology that has that kind of capacity to kill people on its own. But for now, there are no signs that research like this will stop. Because there's an assumption that underlies not only Arkin's work, but also the billions spent on defense. The assumption that war will always continue. War is a very cultural thing. It's a kind of a social deliberation instead of a moral deliberation or a cultural deliberation, if you will. Like, how do we want to fight wars? What is it to be a warrior in this society? And what does this society decide that war is about and is good for? In the past, battles had formal boundaries and ends where each side had to bury their own. But as more robots go to war on behalf of humans, what stake does society hold? As killing becomes more automated, does it make war all too easy? So I think that is a big issue as far as um, what these technologies are going to do and making war much easier to become involved in and really detaching, especially in the United States, the American public from its sense of responsibility and, and moral and social deliberation that should go into deciding when wars occur. A lot of people say, well, why don't we stop working on this technology? There's a problem, though. You'd have to stop science. It means you'd also have to first stop war. And the fact of the matter is that most of the funding that's going into robot research, of course, is to create a better war machine. And to what end? It demonstrates how far we are from the sort of intelligence we need to build robots that can help us instead of hurt us. Will we see robot combat? Yes, I think we will. You know, the history of any military system is it goes from tactical reconnaissance to strike. In other words, it starts out one thing, then it becomes another. But these things, as you just heard, are being made autonomous with the ability to kill and decide who gets to live or who gets to die. They're literal killing machines. If this isn't the beginning of a Terminator program, folks, I don't know what is. And again, as one researcher said, you're delusional, this is his quote, you're delusional if you don't think this is coming. We're so close to this reality, it's not even funny, even the media admits it. Terminators, unmanned vehicles, synthetic organisms. Is the military merging human DNA and artificial intelligence to create killing machines that will one day rule the world? Whatever ability or function that the human body has, there is a scientist somewhere trying to make a robot do the exact same thing. 
Does the government already have a real-life Skynet that is capable of running a war with no human intervention? Right now we're facing a free-for-all. There are military contractors, mad scientists, scientists driven to make money, and they're all trying to create the most efficient machines that will make human beings completely expendable. In other words, humans are toast. <laughs> Folks, this is no joke. Even the media is catching on to this. It's coming much faster than you could ever believe. And notice it wasn't just robotic machines that will make humans expendable. But they even use the phrase there, does the government already have, listen, a real live Skynet system? Their words, not mine. After what we've seen thus far, I think the answer is unfortunately, yes. But you might be thinking, well, wait a second, I, I get it how they're making drones in the sky and drones on the ground all over the planet uh, for Skynet, including humanoid looking ones, just like the Terminator movie. But they need one more thing if they're going to bring this movie fully to life. They need to have an AI system, an artificial intelligence, a true artificial intelligence system fully independent of man. They don't have that, do they? Unfortunately, as you're about to see, that too is much farther along than what people have any clue or even dare want to believe. Skynet, folks, really is just around the corner. As you watch this, drones right now are being hardwired to the human brain, which I believe is the first step of eventually going to an AI brain. Let's take a look at some of that recent development. Now, scientists may finally be figuring out how a machine could read your mind. And for the very first time, mind-reading headsets are becoming real. You really want to just slowly imagine the cube fading out into that black. Look what I can do to the orange cube without touching any dials or keyboards. But just thinking, disappear. My God! <laughs> I can control this thing with my mind! <laughs> Tan Lee is an entrepreneur with a headset that must be reading my mind. We have to actually train the system. Because she's turned it into the ultimate remote control. Just by thinking commands, I can make the orange cube on a computer lift, I can start this car, and launch this helicopter. The future is going to be awesome. I am a superpower! <laughs> The signal is good enough for the computer to recognize a simple brain pattern once it learns it, like lift. And voila, it's reading my mind. Can you imagine, I mean, in some future world where everything is hooked up to this, I could just make anything happen just by wishing it. But what if we could tap directly into the brain? That's what they're attempting here at Brown University. Kathy Hutchinson is paralyzed from a stroke, but she's controlling a robotic arm with much more precision than any headset would allow, thanks to sensors that have been implanted directly onto the surface of her brain. Kathy made headlines when she played a crucial role in a groundbreaking mind-reading experiment. She simply thought about reaching out to pick up a cup of coffee. The sensors in her brain picked up electrical impulses, and a computer turned them into commands, controlling the robotic arm. It's an astonishing breakthrough for brain science that offers hope for the paralyzed. It's amazing what you can do if you put your mind to it. Like fly a drone, for example. 
I've come to an airstrip on the outskirts of Lisbon, Portugal, to see some groundbreaking technology in action. This is Nuno. He's controlling the drone that's whirring away above our heads using just his brainwaves, all thanks to the skull cap that is constantly monitoring his brain for activity. It's a slightly unsettling demo as the drone buzzes up in the sky, struggling valiantly against the wind. It's the first time this has been shown off in public, but if the researchers here get their way, it's the starting point to something much, much bigger. So this is quite literally some blue sky thinking. The researchers here say that this technology could eventually be used to power even commercial flights around the world, removing the need to even have a pilot. Now that may seem a little far-fetched, but didn't we want to say that about driverless cars? It's where it's going, right? Uh, so uh, technology is evolving, the regulations are evolving, um, and so it's it's both things are going at the same time and we're learning with the technology and the technology is learning from the possibilities so it's obvious that it's going to happen the question is not if it's when this remote controlled robot with a nose mounted camera turns right and left moves up and down and even flies through a ring all on commands from a controller who uses a special instrument and what is this instrument? The controller's mind. Here at the University of Minnesota, Professor Bin He and his team have engineered a non-invasive system called a brain-computer interface that allows a person to control a robot using only their thoughts. Researchers in the electrical and computer engineering department at the University of Texas at San Antonio are working to develop a process that can control the movements of drones with thoughts. Daniel Pack, chairman of the department, said his research might help the Army lighten an already heavy load for soldiers in the field. Pack envisions drone operators wearing sensors in their helmets and giving somewhat complicated commands. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you're enjoying our documentary. But uh, before you go, let me ask you a couple questions. Did you know the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? Holy means without sin. God is without sin. The problem is we have sinned. We've done some things that are wrong. And the problem with this is the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. In other words, we need to, we deserve to die and be separated from God forever in a place called hell. And that's the ultimate question. If you were to die today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Well, unless you deal with the sin issue, the Bible's very clear. We're not going to go up. We're going to go down. And that's what I wanted to share with you today. Uh, God wants to fix this for us. He's made a provision uh, so that we could escape hell and go to heaven through his son, Jesus Christ, but we don't want to admit it. And so out of love, he sent us something called the Ten Commandments. It's his way to give us an x-ray so that we can admit we got a problem, that we have sin inside that separates us from him. And if we would just admit it and ask for his help, he'll fix it. But let's take a look at his divine x-ray. The Bible says in the Ten Commandments, the Ninth Commandment says, uh, if you will, you think you're good enough to get to heaven, you're holy like God, you're without sin, uh, then prove it to God. Don't ever bear false witness. That's the ninth commandment, which means lying. So how many guys have ever told a lie ever once in your life? Well, every single one of you should have raised your hand because we all have. Believe it or not, that disqualifies you right there for heaven. The Bible also says you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. Folks, if we're honest, we've done that too. The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And now the blessed name of Jesus Christ has become a common cuss word. That's called the sin of blasphemy. 
The Bible also says you shall not commit adultery. You think you're worthy of getting to heaven? Just march on in there yourself, all by yourself? You don't need God's help? Then don't ever commit adultery. And Jesus said his standards is this. If you ever look at lust with your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, I haven't done that one. Really? Once again, here's the Bible standard. Jesus said that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, is akin to the sin of murder. You just, if you will, pulled the trigger in your heart. But that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You're going to stand before God one day, and you're going to have to admit who you are. He already knows, but you're going to have to admit, hey, God, let me in. Let me into heaven. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, murderer. And the Bible is very clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to heaven. You're going to hell. But here's the good news. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you and I. He took the death penalty in our place. Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And he took our punishment on the cross so that we could be forgiven and set free. It's called a pardon. God wants to pardon you. But that pardon will do you no good unless you reach out and receive it. Won't you do that today? Won't you do that right now? You don't even know if you have tomorrow. You may not even make it through the rest of this documentary. Don't leave this earth without Jesus being your Lord and Savior. Call upon his name. Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says you shall be saved. Well, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries. And again, I hope you're enjoying our documentary. But please make sure that you're headed to heaven today. I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.